0: It feels like a heavy word, actually, because I'm actually going to be talking to you about eternity uh, this morning. talking to you about death. Sounds a bit heavy, doesn't it? (laughs) But bear with me. It's going to be good. Um, I'm looking at the end of Hebrews 11. Those of you that have not been with us before, at the church we've been looking through the book of uh, Hebrews. In particular, chapter 11, we've been looking at men and women of faith. Uh, yeah uh, th- the last time I got to speak uh, it was we looked at the character of Joseph um, a mighty man of God in the Old Testament and we looked off we looked at his example of um, how he walked with God how he endured suffering and how he was a good example to us and um, when, when I did that preach, I, I mentioned that I've got three children, I think I did, uh, and that my oldest son, because I like Joseph as a character in the Bible, we thought we'd call our, our oldest son Joseph. And I said, We've got this great picture at home um, of our son Joseph, where he had a multi coloured Technicolour <laughs> coat on. And I thought I'd show you a picture if we could i found it, and I've scanned it in, and here we go, see if it comes up. Oh, sweet! <laughs> Isn't he sweet? Oh. I think he was about three weeks old, something like that. Um, yeah, bless him. I don't know where we got that from, it might have been from a charity shop or something. but Sweet. Um, he's 21 now, so I'm feeling my age. Um, we, we also noted that in Hebrews uh, Hebrews, quite a challenging book it, it does contain uh, warnings about um, not abandoning our faith not turning away uh, from the hope and the great salvation that we have in God and in the gospel um, at the end of chapter 10 there's quite a strong verse where God says "You know, my, my righteous ones shall live by faith But if they turn away, my soul has no pleasure in them. So they're quite stern warnings in Hebrews. Um, But today, we are going to look at the end of uh, Hebrews chapter 11, uh, from verses 32 to verse 40. And my, my aim really is to... If I do anything, hopefully this morning, I, I hope to bring another perspective on your lives. To, to put your lives in <coughs> an eternal and future perspective and context. Because we're not here forever, are we? Amen. But there is life beyond the grave. And that life will be forever. And it's important that we think about that. It's important that we consider that. Because really, here we're just here for a moment compared to eternity. So, our lifespan now is like a gran, a, a gran, a, a what's the word? A grain, a grain of sand on the seashore. It's like a drop in the ocean, our life now, which seems like a long time, our 80 years or so. Um, but compared to eternity, it's just a blink, isn't it? But we invest so much in this life. And we forget about the life to come. And we forget to invest there sometimes. And so much, my great frustration is sometimes I feel that a lot of gospel preaching universally is very much focused about this life. Amen. You know, are we happy? Amen. Have we got enough money? Have we got this? And It's very much this life focused. And yes, we are on the earth. And we don't want to be so heavenly minded that we're of no earthly use. But we, we do have to consider we are here for a very short time. And eternity is, is coming towards us. And these, these are really important considerations. So I'll bring this hopefully with some lightness but also soberly as well, if, if that makes sense. So if we could read um, Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, verse 32, I'll read it for the sake of the tale. Um, what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David, Samuel, and the prophets. Let's see if I can change this mind a little. Who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises stopped the mouth of lions quenched the power of fire escaped the edge of the sword were made strong out of weakness became mighty in war put foreign armies to flight women received back their dead by resurrection so that would probably be a reference and a hint towards Elijah and Elisha who raised uh, a couple of boys um, some were tortured refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Now that word better comes up a lot, you'll notice in Hebrews. It means better, greater, superior. So that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two. Um, they were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy. Um, The world was not deserving of such mighty men and women of God. You know, these men and women of God, they brought to uh, the people uh, the word of God. And they called the the people and the nation to, to repentance, and they pointed to God, and their message was rejected and they often lost their lives. They were persecuted uh, and put to death. And he says the world was not worthy of deserving of these people. You know, if God sends to you uh, a messenger, that's God's grace to you. That's God's grace to you. It would be a terrible thing for any nation to be devoid of the word of God, or any people group. And Someone to bring like missionaries to, to bring the Word of God to any people group that 's the grace and most of God, uh, and that was happening in history, but unfortunately, many <coughs> lost their lives and so said to, you, the world was not worthy or deserving of deserving of such people. Where are we at? Here? <coughs> Verse thirty-nine. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Really, really tough passage, isn't it? Um, I remember as a, as a young Christian, I read a book. I don't think I finished it, because I really could stomach it. It was really hard to read, and it's called uh, The Fox's Book of Martyrs. Has anyone ever heard of that? You can never get hold of it. It's a very small paperback and it it records martyrdom through church history. I don't know how up to date it is now, but I read that book probably over 20 years ago, maybe 30 years ago. And it was just incredible uh, the testimony of men and women, what they went through, uh, through persecution and suffering for the gospel and for their faith. Amazing, amazing book. Very, very hard to read. Yeah, I mean, if there was a book that was going to get you tears, <laughs> it will be that one. <clears throat> um, I'd like to highlight in that passage verse 35, because I can't obviously talk about the whole passage, there just isn't the time. But I want to highlight verse 35 that says, some were tortured, uh, refusing to accept release so that they might rise to a better life. Uh, that word better is used earlier in the chapter, Um, in verse 16, where it talks about the Old Testament patriarchs, how they desired a better country and a heavenly one. So although they looked for a tangible earthly inheritance and a nation of their own, a land that they call their own, they were looking beyond the earthly to the heavenly. And their hope was what was beyond the grave and their earthly inheritance. Um, if we could just move along to the next slide please. So I want to talk about faith and I want to talk about how faith enables us or enables the believer to, to look forward to eternity and how faith actually frees us from fear in particular the fear of death you now believers are not to fear death And also faith helps us to endure suffering, uh, particularly from persecution and suffering for your faith and the gospel. So verse 35, their hope, you know, people both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, they, they lived with this sense of, this is not it, but there's more to come. Could have the next slide. You know, saints saints in the Old Testament they they looked forward to the cross, they looked forward to our day and the subsequent glories, Um, but they also looked beyond. They looked forward to a heavenly hope and a heavenly reality. In the New Testament, they they looked forward to the return of Jesus, and they looked forward to and had a hope in the resurrection, and most of all, they looked forward to to God Himself. They looked forward to when they would be with the Lord. Um, the Bible says that we are really strangers and exiles, really sojourners. We are. We're passing through. We really are. We don't belong here. Do you know that? Do you know that your citizenship is in heaven? Mm-hmm. That heaven is your home, and that this is not your home. You are a heavenly people, and you are the people of God. Yeah. And, and you belong somewhere, but you're not there right at this moment. But we we enjoy it, or something of the somewhere breaking into our lives now. But we are not there yet. I'd like to read you Revelation, uh, verse, sorry, chapter 21, that says, this is something to look forward to. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, nor crying, nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away mm-hmm. you've got that to look forward to now I don't know about you but uh, I'm self-employed now but so I can sort of pick and choose when I go on holiday which is kind of nice um, when I was employed uh, I've been in very very difficult jobs very very demanding jobs very high stress level jobs um, and You know that last week before you go on holiday. (laughs) (laughs) And no matter how bad that week is, somehow you get through it because you know next week you are (laughs) on annual leave, right? And you're thinking of where you're going to be. So somehow that week is somehow more bearable, no matter the workload, because you're looking forward to something. And so if that is true at that level, a smaller level, how much more should it be true yes. as, as the people of God, when we know proportionally this life is very short, but we have something to look forward to. So when we are going through tough times, and we all do, there is this future hope that we have. You know, there is this holiday, there is this annual leave that's never going to end. At once you're there, you're there. There's no, right, Monday morning, come on, back to work. There's none of that. Heaven is forever. You know, we've got eternity to look forward to. Mm. We've got this to look forward to. Where God says, I'm going to be with you guys. Yeah. You to see me face to face? And I'm never going to leave you. And we're never going to part company. And this is forever. Mm. Mm. It really is forever. It's not for a week, it's not for a year, it's not for a uh, millennium, <coughs> not for a thousand years. No, this is forever. Mm. And I want you to, to live with a sense of that in your life. That whatever you're going through now, there is something far greater, better, superior, so wonderful coming your way that is never going to end. And it's promised to you, and it's been secured, it's not going to be whipped away, it's, it is reserved in heaven for you. And that is wonderful news, isn't it? Mm. Um, if, if we can move on to the next slide please just to help us again with this sense of perspective that we need to have about the future so here's a timeline now if you can imagine on my keyboard if I had a mouse that could extend that yellow arrow off the page a thousand years from now I will still be hitting it, tapping that key do you see what I mean? Earth, our time in Earth is so short, and it's just but for a moment, it's like the blink of an eye, compared to the expanse of eternity, which doesn't have an end, it just goes on and on and on. But we invest so much, don't we, in that little speck, as if that is the only thing, if that is, as if that is our only reality and to be our only existence. But that is not the case, is it? We're just here just for a moment. So Paul says to the uh, Corinthians, don't lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. We need to look to the things that are unseen. They're out there and they're coming your way. And that is your hope, isn't it? Because either Jesus is going to come and you will meet him in the air, or you will die and you will be raised up. It's a win-win, folks. (laughs) It's glory all the way. And it's going to be amazing. It's really going to be amazing. And these are not fabled or fairy tales. This is Reality. This is going to happen. Jesus said, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. You can invest somewhere. You know, invest where it really counts, where it's going to have a lasting benefit. And when you invest in the future, when you invest in the kingdom of God, it will have that lasting benefit. And we know the Bible talks about rewards uh, for Christian work. It's not that we are owning our salvation. I hope we're clear on that. But the Bible does talk about rewards. And I'm not here to talk about rewards, but we need to consider that is part of the teaching of the Bible. So with regards to looking forward and having an eternal perspective thinking this way gives our lives an eternal context it gives our lives meaning Uh, it gives our lives purpose it also gives our lives focus (coughs) are you focused? Knowing what's to come that one day we will be before God that should give us focus and again when it comes to looking forward just to make a point that means that whatever we do has value to God so for example in Colossians 3 23 it says whatever you do work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward, for it is Christ that you are serving. Now you may not be in a very glamorous job, but you know, if it is unto the Lord, there is reward. That in God's economy, that counts. And that's important. And then it's contributing to his purposes on the earth. Now, there was a time in my life when I left a really good job and my wife went back into teaching after six months maternity leave, And I went self-employed and I worked from home for my old employer. And I managed that for about three and a half years. Now, during that time, I was actually raising my son, Joseph, as a baby. So he would go with me everywhere, in the little car seat. Go to meetings and briefings and collect work, and it was crazy. Um, but that was that was my life for, for a while. And my friends, my guys' friends, were saying, "Oh, I wish I could do that. I would love to not work and be at home." <laughs> and I was thinking, well, "You have no idea what it what it takes to to raise a young baby." And all the moms have been thinking, yeah, you're right. But it's true, isn't it? The only difference between being a stay-at-home parent and someone who goes to work and receives a wage is that your work is unpaid. That's the only difference. You are working, but it's unto the law. But also you are investing in the next generation of believers for the kingdom of God. So there is value and purpose in whatever you do. Whether it's a mundane job, it can be unto the Lord. Or whether it's something more glamorous. You don't have to be um, like doing a high-end occupation to have value. Because your value is not in what you do, it's in who you are. And when what you do is unto the Lord, that counts in heaven's economy because you are contributing to God's purpose in the earth. And how God has, how he's governing the earth and how he's working through families and communities and the workplace, God is working, and you're part of that picture and that tapestry and that story and that journey. You're playing your part. It may not be as glamorous or as big as other people's parts, but you are playing your part. And remember the parable of the talents um, in Matthew, where Jesus talked about, you know, to one person they've given five talents, to another one less, and someone else, you know and it sort of goes down to, to someone who just has the one talent. but Someone just had two talents, they didn't have five talents. Well, that person went out and they did something with that. And, and Jesus commended them. and said, well done. Good and faithful servant. Um, into the joy of your master. And there was reward. You know, what? what little you had, you did something with it, more will be given to you. So... You don't need to have that much to have value. You use what you've got. But when it's unto the Lord, it counts. So there's reward. Um, In that Colossians about whatever you do, so there's value in what you do in the family, and there's value in what you do in the workplace. In terms of the parable of the talents, there's the value in what you do with your time. There's value in what you do with your ability and your your gifts, by the grace of God. Uh, And it's value in what you do with your your money and your resources. It all counts. It's all for God. So we've got things to look forward to. Um, So faith helps us to look forward to have that future eternal perspective which I hope we're sort of grasping something of that and seeing how important it is to, to consider life beyond the grave. But also faith helps us to be free from fear. Uh, Paul said in Romans 13, he said that our salvation is nearer now to when we first believed. Now why we say that? Because you know, surely we are <coughs> saved now. Well, yeah. But when the Bible talks about salvation, it talks about it in three sort of different ways. It talks about um, the fact that we have been saved, haven't we? We've been justified by faith, we have peace with God. And yet there's a sense in which we are being saved, the Bible calls that sanctification. We are being progressively transformed into the image of Christ. So there's a sense, experimentally, we are becoming what is already true of us. Do you understand that? But there's also that future sense where the Bible talks about a day will come, the great day, when we will be changed and we will uh, experience the fullness of our adoption, the redemption of our bodies. So there's that future sense too. So we're saved now, yes, we are being saved, we are experiencing what is already true in terms of our position and our status, but there is this future dimension too, where we will be changed in the twinkling of an eye. We will see him as he is and we will be changed and we will be like him. And we will uh, experience the redemption of our bodies. We've got a new body to enjoy God forever. So, You always can have have a bodily existence. This body and the new body. A resurrection body like Jesus. Hallelujah. You know, Jesus is the first fruits of the resurrection and his his resurrection guarantees yours. So what's true of him becomes true of you because you're in Christ and really important. Um, in Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14 the writer says, Since therefore... The children share in flesh and blood. He, speaking of Christ, he himself likewise partook of the same things, flesh and blood. That through death, Jesus might destroy, if you like, disarm, deprive of power, the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil. And so to deliver all those who, through fear of death, were subject to lifelong slavery, that used to be us, didn't it? Amen. There was a time in our lives where we had no idea what was coming. But we knew, hopefully, that it wasn't going to be good unless we were right with God. Um, and certainly, I, I remember when before I became a Christian, um, someone came up to me and, and said to me, Paul, do you know if you died right now that you go to heaven? And I knew straight away the answer was no I knew I was not right with God you know I I didn't need convincing but that, that, that phrase really tormented me for about two months I just had to have peace with God I knew I was a sinner, I knew I was lost I knew I needed to be made right with God so for weeks and weeks and weeks I would just pray the sinner's prayer And I was into my life, you know, I had a little Billy Graham steps to peace with God or bridge to life, whatever it was. And I would just pray the prayer at the back to ask Jesus into my life. And I did it day after day, week after week, and week after week, Mm -hmm. until there came a day when I found that I really believed. And I remember I was in my bedroom and I was on my knees and I was asking God to save me. And I found that I believed the gospel. And when I stood up, I stood up as a born again child of God. And I had an assurance of salvation and I had an awareness of the presence of God in my life. Now I'm not saying that's going to be like that for everyone. We all have our different story, our different experience at conversion. Well, that was my testimony. That was my experience. I remember getting up off the floor knowing that I was a child, God, couldn't explain why, I hadn't done anything for it, I just knew that I was. I remember going to find my mum, who was in the kitchen doing some washing up, and saying to my mum, Mum, I've just become a Christian. And her reaction was, Oh, that's nice, dear. <laughs> uh, I was, I'm a first generation Christian in my family. I had no Christians in my family. The last Christian in my family before me was my great-great-grandfather. We just so happened to be an itinerant preacher, evangelist. who used to go around the villages on a big steel bike with a big black Bible mm-hmm. and just stop and preach the gospel. But that's the last time I'm aware of any Christian in my family. So I was the first. Um, you know, Paul said there's no condemnation to those that are in Christ. You have no reason to fear death. You know, David in the psalm says that in his presence, in God's presence, there is fullness of joy forevermore. And you're looking forward to that. I want to make make a point that all must consider and prepare for death and not to put it off. You know, in Hebrews it says, "It is appointed unto men once to die. And then after this is the judgment. Do you know every single person ever lived will face the judgment seat of Christ? Whether you be Christian or not. Every one of us. And it's, it takes a wise and smart person to think I want to be in a good place when that happens. Now you know as a Christian you're saved already. But we want to make sure that we <coughs> are living the life that that pleases God. Amen. But we're not talking about earning salvation, are we? Hug the But we're talking about when we see him, we won't feel any sense of shame. And know I'm not ready for this. Yeah? We don't want to be like the parable of the ones who had holes in their lamps, and some kept their lamps trimmed, and others didn't. And when Amen. the shout came, he's coming, there was some. gosh, I'm not ready. When you think Jesus was coming this afternoon, what difference would that make? Or if if you had some forewarning, would things change in your life? I I guess, if you're like me, probably they would. Suddenly become very focused. So why not be focused now? So that that doesn't be our experience. Um, It's hard to preach this. Uh, It really is. So we must all consider and prepare for death. And if there is anyone in this room and you don't know, if you are to die now, that you're going to heaven, I appeal to you to make peace with God and to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And when I say believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, I don't mean believe on him as a historical person. To not just believe on him that he's always oh, he's just simply a teacher or a prophet, or a good man. No, but to believe that he is who he said he was. God the Son, and the Son of God, and the Saviour of the world, the Christ, the King of kings, and the Lord of lords. And that he is the only way to the Father. So if you put all your trust in Jesus Christ, so not in you, but in Jesus Christ, you will be saved. And that's the promise of Scripture. So let me appeal to you, do not end this day without having a conversation with God Amen. about eternity. Amen. And if you don't know, if you do not have a heart assurance, and you are, if you are not convinced by Scripture, I appeal to you to do business with God and ask God that you be forgiven and that he gives you that assurance that you are a child of God. You might say to me, Paul, isn't it a bit arrogant to, to believe that you're right with God now? No, absolutely not. You know, John, when he wrote to, he wrote three letters to a very young church made up of young Christians. In that first letter, he said, "These things are written to you, so that you may know that you have eternal life." Present tense. He's writing to young Christians and saying, "You can know now for sure, for definite, that you have peace with God." It's present tense. It's now. You can know that now. It's not arrogance it's believing the gospel Mm. it's believing in the word of God Um, there are times in people's lives there are times of peril and tragedy and illness and sickness Uh, there are times where people experience the horrors of war and those times do make people think of death, don't they? It makes them consider death. And even the atheist, put enough pressure on an atheist and he will be calling out to God. I want to give you a couple of quotes um, from the war, from the First World War. We know what a horrific war that was. There was a lot of, uh, a lot of trench warfare. And I want to keep you I want to read to you a quote from a young officer who was serving on the front line, and those of you who know your war history will know how horrific that was. You think of the Battle of the Somme and other such battles. horrific, horrific battles. And this young officer said this: he was just returned home from fighting on on the front, on the front lines, and he says, there are no atheists within half a mile of the front trenches. He says, men may scoff and be indifferent when death appears to be far away, reserved for some distant old age. But, they become very serious when it may descend suddenly from the clouds or spring out from no man's land. And, just to give you another quote from a, a chaplain who was serving the soldiers on a front line, he said writing home to the soldiers that were going to be posted to the front line who were going to get on the ships he said tell, tell the soldiers at home that they must know God sorry sorry <clears throat> Tell the soldiers at home that they must know God before they come. To the front. If they would face what lies before them, we have no atheists in the trenches. Men are not ashamed to say that though they have never prayed before, they pray now with all their hearts. And that's the horrors of what? So, being prepared for life after death is really important, isn't it? Um, Let's not allow something like a peril or a a sickness or some other horror to be our wake-up call. Let us be thinking now about where we will spend eternity. You know, John Wesley said of his people, Methodists, but it's true of all believers, he said, Our people died well. It's because they died in faith. They believed the gospel. The gospel of grace. And the free gift of God in Jesus Christ. So going back to that question that someone once said to me, do you know for certain that if you were to die now that you would go to heaven? And if you do not know, I appeal to you to come and speak to someone in this church. I'll be happy to talk to you any of the leaders will be happy to talk to you. But don't leave this building uh, without knowing that you are right with God. That's the most important thing you can do. It really is. My my father, when I became a Christian, he um, he was very antagonized by the fact that I became a Christian. He thought I joined a cult And for ten years I had a very strained relationship with my father when I was living at home. He hated the fact that I became a Christian. And he often was threatened to to go around my church and sort out my minister. (laughs) And but twenty-five years ago he he was diagnosed with cancer and it came as quite a shock and he was literally told that you, you had months to live. And but you know that that opened him up to talking about life after death. And I'm happy to say um, <clears throat> that there was a night after work where I went to St. Thomas's Hospital. Think about I mean the think about my dad, he was a good man. He meant well He was a good husband and he was a good father. And that's his problem. He was a good man. And his stumbling block was his own morality and righteousness. And that's his stumbling block. And I asked God, God, how do I get through to my dad that he needs the gospel? How do I convince him? And it might seem strange, but I really felt impressed by God that I needed to go and preach the law to him. I thought, I've never done this before. So I went to my dad in hospital. And I said, Dad, I need to talk to you about life after death. And I've tried in the past, and it's always like a closed door and don't talk to me. But this time he was willing to listen. So I said, God, do you know? I said, Dad, do you know know what the greatest commandment is? He said, no, what's what's that? It's to love God with Mm -hmm. all your heart with all your strength, with all your mind, with all that you are. That's the first and greatest command. Have you done that, class? I didn't need to talk about the other night. Because he, he realized he, he didn't get past first base. And, and that really shook him up. Um, I wish I could say that night I let him to the Lord, but I didn't. But I left a very troubled man The following day, my old pastor went to visit him. And he never made calls, home calls, hospital calls. But on this occasion, he felt prompted by God to go and visit my dad. And he led him to the Lord. And he told me that when he met my dad, that my dad couldn't stop crying under conviction of sin. Isn't that amazing? so it's really important that we know where you stand I'm sorry if I'm going on too long you can just bear with me for a few more minutes you know Paul was very confident in the gospel and in the work of Christ and he said for, for me to live is." For me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. He was struggling actually because he knew death was coming up. And he wanted to keep building the church and reaching out and establishing churches and supporting these young Christians and doing his missionary work. And he loved doing that. But he was torn between that and going to be with the Lord. And he said, to be with the Lord is better. I'd rather depart and be with the Lord, that's better for me. But I'm also torn about this other stuff too. I love being part of what God's doing on the earth, but at the same time, I just want to be with the Lord. So Paul was very confident in the gospel and in the work of Christ, and he had that assurance that he was going to be with the Lord. Um, I'm almost coming to the end. You know, Paul's... Paul's parting words to Timothy was this. I think to Timothy was probably the last letter, I believe, Paul wrote. It was just before he was executed. And he knew it was coming. He said to Timothy, who was like his son in the faith really. He said to Timothy, I'm ready to be poured out. like a drink offering. The time of my departure has come. I fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but to all who love his opinion." And just lastly, my last point is our faith helps us to, to endure suffering. So if we could just have that slide up, please. Oh, you've got it up there. Uh, so Jesus said, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you, persecute you, and utter all kinds of evil against you, falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward in heaven, is great. There will be times, won't there, in our lives where we uh, we suffer for the gospel, we suffer for our faith. We know that Jesus said that in the world you're going to have trouble, tribulation, and distress. But blessed are you when that happens. Great will be your reward in heaven. So if you're going through a trial, can I encourage you to dignify the trial and to walk with God? Because you will be glad that He did. You know, Paul said, all, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And Jesus said, Everyone's going to hate you because of me your family, your friends. They're going to hate you and give you up sometimes, even unto death, because of me. So we can expect it. We're not looking for it, are we? We're not looking for it and we don't want it. But the reality is, people are offended by the gospel. You know, Paul said, the gospel, when we preach Christ crucified, that is an offence. People are offended to hear that they need to be forgiven. People are offended by that. The gospel is an offence. It's a stumbling block. And we need to, to know that. And we mustn't dilute that message either. And as if to get people through the wide gate, when narrow is the way to eternal life. We must not dilute the message. Jesus said, I am the only way to the Father. And Paul said, we preach Christ crucified and we're not ashamed of the cross. And it's really important that that is core and central to our message. Now just to end, uh, if we could just have the last, oh there you go. We're just going to end with this. Uh, you know, When I was a young Christian, uh, I used to, my Christian friends, we used to love like to get together with a guitar and do like half nights of worship and sometimes Four nights of worship and prayer. And often as we as we would part and leave one another, we would sing this to each other. Uh, does anyone know the tune for this? It kind of shows you're <laughs> ready a bit, but, but I'll just read it out. Um, would, you say, would you say sing it? Yes. Seriously. Yeah. What? Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> You don't hear this croaky voice. I'll sing it if you like. Maybe it's something we could learn. Sing it to yourself, sing your home groups. Bless one another. We used to sing this to each other and it went something like this. Now unto him that is able to keep you Able to keep you from falling And present you faultless In the presence of his glory With exceeding joy To the only wise God Our Saviour Be glory and majesty Dominion and power both now and forever. Amen. Glory to God. with that, I'll leave you. thank you for your patience. I know that was a long one. Um, I'm not very good at judging the length of these things. It's kind of new to this, but uh, thank you and God bless you. Amen.